What's up, Brewroots listeners? It is just Matt here. I um, was told that Erica and Ryan don't want to do the podcast anymore. Just kidding, April Fools, but it's May. And uh, it's just me this week. Erica is in lovely San Diego. And uh, I know most of my San Diego facts just through the movie Anchorman, so I probably won't ref- like repeat any of those. But uh, I know there's a lot of good beer out there, and she seems to be having a lot of fun. And Sound Guy Ryan is being Fishman Ryan this week uh, with the family business. So you just get me. Um, as we discussed last week, uh, we are going to bi-weekly episodes. So that means we're going to be releasing episodes every two weeks. Um, and that way we can focus on giving those breweries the uh, attention that they need. And, the, and uh, we can promote those episodes a little bit better. And it also gives us an opportunity to blast more content out on our YouTube page, on our TikTok, um, on our Instagram. And yeah, I guess we're going to be trying to do Twitter. But we have an awesome guest this week. We have Alexander. How are you today? Doing good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, where are you right now? Like right now? Like what state are you in? Yeah, oh, what state I'm are you in? Uh, West Virginia. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about your brewery today. Well, you're the brewery director, right? Yeah, the operations director. And Operations director. Yep. Uh, what's that brewery? Why don't you introduce the brewery and, and what town and what city it's in in West Virginia? Yeah, I work for Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company. Uh, we are in Maxwellton, West Virginia, um, which is right outside of a cute little cool town called Lewisburg. Um, we've been around since 2014. Came on um, around three and a half years ago. Um, so right now... Um, I'm acting as the uh, brewing director as well, so it's a pretty full plate. Yeah, so you don't sleep much, and you just are. Do you live at the brewery? Um, I get to step away every now and then. I actually took the day. Um, I'm doing this for my house, so yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so our listeners um, aren't as familiar with the West Virginia beer scene. So can you give us the too long didn't read version of what the West Virginia beer scene is like? Okay, yeah. So I would like to clarify because I run into this quite a bit. Um, West Virginia is um, its own state. Um, I come across that quite a bit. Um, it's one of the 50. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, we, right now, I think we have 31 active breweries. Um, when I got in to the brewing scene, which was about seven and a half years ago, um, there was like 11. Um, so we, oh, wow. yeah, we've done a really good job. Um, and the breweries that are coming around, um, are producing excellent beer. It's a lot of, um, community, um, instead of competition. Um, we help each other out, give each other advice. Um, it's a really nice tight knit network. Um, there's a lot more, other states see, uh, in-state sales like from local producers um at a larger margin than we do so we're doing our best um after the last couple years we've seen a lot of breweries shift to cans either through um mobile can manufacturers or mobile canning uh, or sign getting their own like small little canning setup so it's nice to go go into like supermarket and see like six breweries um, from west virginia so i've heard uh, through the grapevine and maybe another podcast I listened to, you guys put a major emphasis on canning pretty early on. Well, maybe some of the other breweries in the state weren't. Yeah, uh, we were one of the first breweries to um, to make the, a big focus for canning um, in the state of Western. We had we started with two. 
we had a pale ale and a black IPA, um, which we black still have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that blows my mind. It's like a black IPA, I, one of the, my favorite styles out there. And is that your Bat Boy IPA? Black uh, IPA? It's, our, it's our Mothman. So Mothman. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. So a lot of all of our beers focus on um, either West Virginia folklore, heritage, or history. Um, so I'm sure you're familiar with Mothman um, from Point Pleasant. There was a you know movie what? with I... Richard Gere in it, um, which yeah. was a pretty good actor, like pretty good representation of it. Um, it's like okay. this. It was kind of interesting because like we're in this um, like a Bible belt and there was um, the the legend is like this Mothman, this like demonic creature with like red eyes was flying around, giving like warnings or possibly um, caused the disaster that happened where um, Silver Bridge had collapsed um, with several people on it. And um, they have a Mothman festival every year, which um, is a pretty happening time. There's a statue in the town um i guess commemorating um that event (laughs) that's cool i mean trust me i live about 20 minutes north of salem massachusetts so we get all of that lore and witchcraft and all that stuff so i get it um and there are breweries who definitely try to celebrate that um what i know of west virginia is uh religion uh coal mining and uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about the beer scene. Um, to me, it seems like a lot of the breweries, because I did some of the market research around the breweries, um, it seems like the liquid coming out of West Virginia seems to be, you know, a year or so behind what's kind of happening in, in my state or in, you know, California. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a huge surge of loggers and pilsners in your area, um, which seems to be blowing up here. Um w- is that just because it's a working class area and people it's hard to kind of break into, you know, that people who are used to domestics? What's what's the deal with that? Um, that's actually a really good question. And I think it's generous um, to say that we're just a year behind a lot of people quote us as being like five or so years behind a lot of market trends. Um, I think it's um, a lot of geography um, like it takes um, you can get to anywhere by the way a crow flies like 10 minutes, but it'll take you like an hour to get there on our roads. Hmm. So there's a lot of isolated communities, I guess. Um, the breweries that sort of popping up in the smaller towns definitely made leaps and bounds, uh, with smaller populations. Um, the, I mean, craft beer, we, we had a cap on, this would have been, I want to say nine years ago, we had a, a cap on our ABV, which kind of limited a bunch of beers coming in from out of state. And once that was raised um, slightly, we saw a lot of other breweries starting to come in. Like when Yingling came into the state, um, it was like gangbusters. Like you couldn't, it was everybody had like two cases of Yingling in their hand every time the distributor uh, came in. And that was after um, they raised the ABV limit. What Um, was the ABV limit prior to that? Um, I think, I mean, Yingling is that much, right? It's like five, eight or something. I think it was like 5% is where our cap Wow. Is. Yeah. And is that, uh, we, we, when we've talked to states like, um, like Salt Lake, like, uh, Salt Lake city, like Utah, that's yeah, like religious or 3% or something like that. Yeah. 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 And that, um, anything that's like considered sessionable and that's driven by, you know, religion almost mm-hmm. in that state. Um, do you know why that was capped or is that just a pre pro pre prohibition rule that is just antiquated? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I actually had to give, um, I did a presentation on, um, uh, prohibition and how it affected the state of West Virginia. 
Um, cause we had, um, a brewery in Wheeling, which is the Northern panhandle of the state. And it produced per year more beer, um, before prohibition than all of our breweries currently combined, um, off the top oh my of my God. head. I don't know that barrelage, um, but it's a lot. And so after prohibition, um, they, they, they slowly worked it into, you were able to produce, um, non-intoxicating alcohol. Um, so that's what we produce. We produce non-intoxicating beer. Like even to this day, it's kind of interesting. It's an antiquated, um, I guess just remnant, um, where all of my labels, um, I'm applying for a non-intoxicating beer. Um, even though now our ABV cap is 15%. Um, it's just like this thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like terminology in our code that's still in there. Um, are, are, are distilleries allowed in West Virginia? Do you know off the top of your head? Oh yeah, we have um, what I consider one of the best um, distilleries um, in the area. Smooth Ambler—they're they're distributed um, internationally. They're right across the street from us. It's like a little boiler maker avenue between the two of us. Oh, um, yeah, and they distribute. It just seems like it's it, there's so many weird laws against beer. It's like this beer is this taboo subject that like mm-hmm. you can have wine, you can have cider, you can have hard spirits that will fuck you up way worse than yeah. like beer you know yeah i don't know like the wine wine i think it's pretty good um representation um we lump up our ciders with wine here um yeah, we do too yep. yeah so now i think um it's they're slow on the curve i'm not really sure why i'm not sure if it's like um corporate interest or i'm not really sure it seems to be like that like you mm. said like a um state by state yeah uh what are some of the core brands that you are uh, pumping out of the brewery um, so we still stick to, maybe this is like old school, but we still have flagships. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Flagships are still popular. Yeah. Yeah. So we, and it helps us especially cause, uh, we are distributed in West Virginia and, uh, Maryland and Virginia. So our core brand right now is our IPA, which makes up, um, 6% of, or sorry, 56% of our sales. Um, and then I actually increased, I think, over the last six months to 60% of our sales. When you um, say IPA, um, hazy IPA, New England style IPA, West Coast, just or just a straight kind of drinkable IPA? It's a it's a pretty fruity IPA. Um, I mean, it's got Simcoe, uh, Citra, uh, Amarillo, Mosaic. Um, so okay. maybe you could call it a little bit of like a West Coast style. Um, it's not super... I mean, it's not super bitter, yeah, but I wouldn't call it like um, like a New England. Um, it's that's named after um, a um, some history in West Virginia. So it's our Devil Ants IPA, um, based off of the Hatfield McCoy feud. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with yes. that. So one of the things that I actually read was that beer um, is a lot of people's first beer when they turn 21 in the state of West Virginia. It seems like I, I was on the subreddit for. West Virginia beer and <laughs> that beer came up quite a bit. Yeah, I know it's interesting because it's 6.9%. So that's a good one to start with. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's bitter, but smooth. Um, it definitely is. Um, it definitely piques people's interest. Our art is a very big thing, um, which was established yeah, early your on. Your art is beautiful. And I, and I want you to tell the story because I, and, but I, I want to know who's designing your can art because that's awesome. But so we finished the story up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back. So, um, yeah, we've got, um, yeah, Devil Ants, um, IPA, which is based off of the Hatfield McCoy feud. On the other side of that feud, um, we have Old Rannell, uh, which is based off of Randolph McCoy, um, which is a Pilsner. So you have like a hoppy and then the other side, which would be a Pilsner. 
Um, we also have our Black IPA, which is a Mothman. We have a Wild Trail Pale Ale, which um, brands a Sasquatch on our can, um, riding a mountain bike um, in our <laughs> river. <laughs> um, we also have a Bat Boy, uh, which is a black lager. We partnered with um, the Weekly World News um, and are licensed to distribute um, uh, the Bat Boy, which was the sensation um, in print way back in the day. I think they're trying to bring it back. There's a musical too now. Yeah, uh, which is crazy. I, My dad, when I was younger, he told me if I misbehaved in the market, I would turn into Bat Boy. So like, I would not misbehave. So that's my own lore with that beer. So. I could see a resemblance. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, pretty similar. I'm a distant relative, actually. Yeah, so that means um, you would have been from around here because that legend was actually, or when they wrote that article, they kind of placed it in like a cave that was down the road from our brewery. Um, it was before our brewery was around. but um, And then am I missing any? Um, oh, we also have one based off of um, the Greenbrier Ghost. So it's a story of a ghost that essentially solved her own murder, appeared um, in a dream to her mother. Um, she had fallen down the stairs and um, they had buried her and she came back and exclaimed that it was her husband um, who had strangled her. So the mom had pleaded to have the body exhumed and lo and behold, um, there were strangle marks um, and they prosecuted her husband. And I think it was pretty easy too, because he had um, three of his other wives had mysteriously died too. So um, there was probably a trend that they had caught on to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all this, all this folklore and, and legend and mystical stuff. Um, is that like deep within the history of, of uh, West Virginia? Is that like, do you, did you grow up? little alexander like your dad or parents saying like you watch out for sasquatch like or is it just kind of more like hearsay this is kind of funny yeah i think oral tradition well i'm probably now I'm, i think it's become very very sensationalized now um oral tradition is a very big part um of appalachia um especially with like music so yeah stories get passed down um there's uh, a lot of people say that this is a Oh, a supernatural hub because there's always, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of people from either different podcasts and conventions and stuff. And they talk about how West Virginia is um, like kind of spooky and um, possibly in some like interdimensional riff or something. Um, but like, yeah, storytelling, I think is a very big part of Appalachia and that's what we try to do. So as you had said, um, well, I'm not too familiar with the, um, the brewing industry. What we try to do with every one of our cans is not only have an image that captures the idea, it has a story. So we're telling a story one beer at a time from our brewery. Um, it has a description on why we named um, the beer this. It's mostly about the, the story um, with a good beer behind it. Um, we'll describe the beer, but we want to throw props to the history um, that led us to being able to establish um, West Virginia. Um, yeah, we've, we've produced quite a few ones, uh, other ones too. So our, we've produced one called the Braxy Blondale, which is performing really well in the state. It's based off of this alien that had landed, um, in the Valley of Braxton County, um, and spooked a bunch of folks. Um, we are Myra, West Virginia is the birthplace of Chuck Yeager. Um, we dedicated a, a beer okay, yeah. to, um, to Chuck Yeager, actually to Glamorous Glennis, which is, um, the name of his plane. He named all of his planes after his wife. So we made a, a beer um, in homage. In homage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I really do think that the can art, not that I think people fall in love with can art when they see it, especially when you are in a, um, we call them package stores up here, liquor stores, um, you know, um, but are, are beers sold in local markets or is it sold through the state? They're sold in local markets. So we go through a distributor and, and then the distributor sells it to their retail account. Yeah. So I almost get sensory overload in a, in our packies here mm-hmm. in Massachusetts because there's so much to offer. Um, and it's only natural that you get gravitated towards really cool looking can art, right? It's like when you're a kid, you go to the, the action figure aisle and you're like, I want the coolest looking one, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So um, your can art awesome. Um, and we were kind of flirting with that subject, but who does your can art design? So currently, um, we've actually went through a couple different ones. Um where so our marketing is definitely a big um a part of what we do um the original um artists were was a firm from virginia and then uh we had a local firm from charleston that did a couple of our cans um, we had a local artist do a couple cans um our current artist um name is jonathan dodd um he just did art for the glamorous glennis kolsch that we put out and the braxy uh we have you know, if you've seen them, then uh, they stand really well by themselves, but because of um, consistent branding, we have a bunch of highlights and features that we need to hit on a can or otherwise it's not going to look like a Greenbrier Valley can. Yep. Um, it does allow us to kind of transition into um, a different artist and as long as they can hit the points. Um, I consider myself very, very critical and appreciate good branding. Um, so we have a, um, a pretty good process allowing us to keep it um, so as if it looks like the same artist, really. Um, yeah. like it needs to speak Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company. And then when they stand next to each other, you see that consistency and like the it's, it pops on a shelf really, really well. I can imagine. So one of the things I appreciate is with good can art is that you actually know what the beer you're getting is. So it's, it's clear as day that you're getting a black lager, right? It says black mm-hmm. lager right on your, your bat boy. Um, and then there's what the, the, I'm going to mess up the name. The one with the claw, that's your Imperial. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Great Claw. Yeah. Uh, great Claw, yeah. Yeah, it's um, a, the state so fossil. I, I appreciate it. Oh, cool, cool. All right, so we're going to get into more subjects about West Virginia, and I want to know some more paranormal stuff and if you have ghosts at the brewery. But we got to keep the lights on here, and we have to keep the Ghostbusters page because I don't want any ghosts in our, in our podcast because I'm afraid of them. So... I guess take it away, Sound Guy Ryan, when you edit this episode in the future. <laughs> Cheers. Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you, whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers. At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BREWROOTS. For 10% off your online order today.
Sharks on Tap is the box subscription service where you can get some of the dopest brewery t-shirts out there. I'm talking breweries from Dallas, San Diego, and even our home area of New England. And you might ask, how do I get my hands on some? To get your first box for $5, click the link below in our description, or head on over to our website, breweries.com. Remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. All right, and we are back. So, Alexander, I talked about um, the ghost thing on the on the previous thing. Uh, is your brewery go- haunted, or does it have any like weird lore to it? Um, actually, I have no idea. Um, the building is on top of um, a cave system, which um, I'm probably I'm sure is connected to the cave system at which um, Bat Boy was founded. Um, I've heard some of the n- tales from the night brewers, um, on how it's pretty spooky and you hear things. Um, it's a really big facility. Um, and you're really sensitive to sound when you're brewing beer. Usually like if you hear a PRV go off, um, yeah. they get really in tune to the sounds of your brewery. We just got cameras installed and there were trailers. I'm pretty sure it was dust. Um, so maybe, um, <laughs> we could have footage of a mop handle moving on its own. So maybe Ooh. just for- very uh, janitorial ghosts. <laughs> I, I, if I become a ghost, I don't want to be the cleaning ghost. I don't think in, mm-hmm. the, in the future, and, you know, but maybe who knows? Um, are you guys still doing the exploiter series at the brewery? Yeah. So our motto um, is to get out, explore, bring beer. So being in West Virginia, one of the things that um, we all love um, is uh, the outdoors. Um, the scenery is gorgeous. We have we, there. It's a very interesting geography here. Um, there's like these rolling hills, um, some mountains. Um, we've got a couple of ski resorts and um, water sports, which are a really, really big attraction tourism wise. Um, we also have <clears throat> some ATV trails and uh, tons and tons of hiking trails and biking trails. So the Explorer series uh, was an opportunity. So in our brewery, I kind of see our brewery as like three breweries. So bear with me here. So we have the uh, production facility, which produces nothing but Devlands. Um, and we, that's what we, we produce that to supply the demand. And then we have some smaller tanks. Um, so our 90 tanks are usually dedicated Our 90 barrel tanks are dedicated to devil ants. And then we have a couple sixties and a couple 20 barrel tanks and those produce the other flagships. Um, so that kind of keeps us, um, you know, like relevant with variety, but we also have a three and a half barrel system in our facility that allows us to play. So even if you were like the keg washer or a bartender, um, you have the opportunity to learn how to brew beer um, very manually because our system is an automated system pretty much. Um, you still have to be present, um, but it's, it runs you through the cycles to be as productive as possible. But the, we all learned on um, homebrew or a smaller system that's very manual, and we have that in the facility. So it allows us to explore new styles um, it allows us to test, um, play around with stuff, and then apply them to go from the smaller system to then a larger system. We've seen a couple. Our Braxy that I was speaking of, that actually started as um, a test batch. So with that series, we wanted to highlight the trails in West Virginia, either um, in a state park, um, a nice mountain bike trail, a trail from a cool isolated campsite, um, so we like pinged all the people, the staff and said like, what's your favorite trail? And that's how it started. And then 
I made it a mission to go around the state and to for just peace of mind to be able to get around and just hike. Um, and after the park, we partnered with the state park system and brewed a beer called 35 Parks because um, there's 35 state parks in West Virginia. Um, so I was exploring a lot of them. Um, and we were, just, were pulling those trail names and applying to the beer. Sometimes they fit like, um, oh, we did a red a session IPA. So uh, Red Creek Trail worked really well. Um, but mostly it's just like the staff recommendations. Um, if anybody's like, hey, I went to this trail, I'll put it on a list. And then as we brew beers, uh, so it focuses on the outdoor recreation in West Virginia. Sorry about that. I was just looking at one of the questions that I had and it kind of, you kind of answered it within that, um, that realm. Cause I, I, it's always interesting. 35 doesn't seem like that many, but then when you try to go and do all 35, it's, it's a quite a big over uh, undercome, you know, like to go and actually hike all those trails. So, Mm -hmm. um, I want to get to know you a little bit better than Alexander. So like, what's your history in the brewing industry and was that kind of the original plan for you to enter the brewing industry or what did you go to school for? I um, went to school for music composition and um, dropped out. It was a, it was a big time doing a rock and roll band and toured around a little bit. Um, What's your instrument? I uh, I played like piano, bass, guitar. I tried to, (laughs) Um, and I still pick and grin every now and then. Um, we, uh, after, after that didn't work out, um, I worked at a, um, a burrito shack in Huntington, West Virginia, which is along the Ohio and got to, I had an awesome opportunity, uh, where I became the front of the house manager, the bar manager. And, uh, we had, uh, 14 taps and, uh, we didn't have very many breweries. Like I had said, there was like eight. Um, but I started talking to some of them and I would invite them down for something called, uh, meet the brewer. Um, I was just, I was trying to bring traffic to Wednesdays and increase sales. And so I'd bring a brewer down and give them a microphone. They'd bring some beers down. We would do a tap takeover or whatever. And I, I was able to slowly move away from all these domestics. Like we had Sam Adams, we had blue moon, had Yingling. Um, and then even like out of state, um the craft beer and put on more local beer um like kind of before um it became like a big boom in west virginia and you were able to like learn about this person's brewery and so i got to meet these guys and they're pretty fun um and then after i had left the um the the burrito shack um i went on i was offered a job Actually, I didn't know what I was doing. And then somebody asked me if I liked um, Elkins, West Virginia. Um, he was the salesman over at Big Timber Brewing Company. And he uh, asked me if I liked Elkins, and I said I could. And chopped off my head and left Huntington after living there for about 20 years and moved up to the mountains. Um, and uh, learned how – I was the second um, back-of-the-house or brewing uh, employee. Um, it was just me and this other guy, and we brewed a lot of beer. Um, I did that with them. Um, there was a smaller brewery in that same town, um, which is a very, I don't know the population off the top of my head, but it was a small little mountain town. Um, another brewery opened. So I worked for a production facility there and a small brewery, I think that had like a one barrel system opened, which is a brewery slash hostel called the Brewstel. Um, (laughs) 
slash brewing supply store slash restaurant um slash bar um and yeah so we i got to brew and like work on recipes and stuff there so i would work um at big timber during the day and then at night go and work um at the brew still either finish up batches or clean tanks and stuff um and work on weekends i really immerse myself into uh the uh the industry trying to learn as much as i could um and then was offered um the elkins wasn't necessarily my speed um and the the people there were wonderful but i needed like a little bit more um just a little bit more i guess out of the town that i lived in and then um was offered a job at greenbrier valley brewing company started as the assistant uh production director and um worked my way up to operations director so you've kind of seen all of the different sides of brewing from a one barrel system to a, a production house. Um, you you didn't have any beer education other than learning by doing. Um, if you could go back in the, the Wayback Machine, would you wish that you had gotten some brewing education first and then gone to the industry? Or are you, are you happy with the way that you did it? I mean, I appreciated it. Um, I had some prior knowledge because when I worked at, uh, yeah, really the only knowledge I had was like um, like that first level Cicerone or whatever, which got me really interested in the different styles that you really couldn't find in West Virginia. Um, and I don't know, I wouldn't redo any of it. Uh, the people that I'd met, like the, when I worked in Elkins, um, they were very adamant about brewing um, certain beers to show that you could brew them because you can't hide behind them. Like, you can take like your like, or loggers or yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like you could, I mean, cause I was, I mean, I worked at a restaurant where we had like uh, pineapple, uh, jalapeno margaritas. So I was like, yeah, let's put pineapples in a pale ale. Um, and they were like, no, like you should really focus on brewing beer the right way and showing that you can go through the processes and then add to it. Cause you need to make, you want to make beer first. Not that right. I discredit people that have, I mean, there's some really funky, crazy flavors and I love innovation, but I've always kind of, stuck to that and now slowly have been branching um into putting adjuncts or but still i don't know i've always kind of held on that you know i make beer not mo like mojito well, it, or something it's interesting uh and not to listen I mean, there's time and place for those because I, I truthfully believe the best beer is the beer in front of you so mm-hmm. if that beer that's put in front of you is one of those beers they're it's probably really good right at that mm-hmm. moment in time and then you think about it and you're like oh, maybe i didn't like it as much but i noticed you guys don't make a hazy or New England style IPA. The is that a, intentional or what's the deal with that? So on the Explorer series allowed us to do that a couple times. Um, we made um, so our <clears throat> the uh, small batch brewing lead Jeffrey uh, Frizzell, who is my, my second at the company. He's um, been taking leaps and bounds on that small system, and um, we've brewed a couple. I think. We really wanted to nail it, so we've we haven't produced a large batch yet. Uh, we've really been working with flavor profiles. We've been testing different yeasts. Um, before I had taken over as the operations director, we didn't really play too much with yeast um, and different yeasts um, brands. So the small batch allowed us to do that. So we've actually cranked out some really good ones. We did a. Um, which we'll probably touch on this, but we did a joint effort beer um, with another brewery um, in the state. And um, they, he gave us, his name's Austin. Awesome, awesome dude. He works for uh, uh, High Ground Brewing Company out of Terra Alta, West Virginia. 
he gave us a ton of pointers on um, like a good hazy, and that kind of created a nice understanding of it. We played around with it, loved the beer style ourselves. Um, yeah, the, the flagship, we always stayed true to the flagships and didn't really start playing until about a year and a half ago, really. Like, we well, there was just, probably a good reason. I mean, you had to keep the lights on during this mm-hmm. thing called the pandemic that occurred, yeah. so mm-hmm. kind of yeah. coming out on the other other side of that yeah do you see yourself getting into some of those you know weirder fruited sours and yeah i hate uh, uh, i mean the word is hype right those those hype beers right mm-hmm. no we have been um i like sours um uh, we actually came across we've done a few um gozes is what we've been messing around with yeah, um mm-hmm. yeah we have um there's a underground ocean in west virginia um where we get our salt really? from <laughs> yeah um and so yeah there's a company called jq dickinson and um they produce sea salt from west virginia a landlocked state and so we've been using their stuff um i've actually i'm not sure if you've come across this but or um, how many people are using it or whatever but we came across a yeast um that produces lactic acid um during fermentation so you don't have to mess with the bacteria kettle sour it and we've been seeing awesome success with that um we did there was we, the most recent one we did was like a fruit punch. So we used some like care, care, orange, um, we used some tart cherries and, uh, off of a recommendation, which I really believe that if you want a successful business, you really should take feedback maybe with a grain of salt, but from all of your employees. Um, and one of our newest employees, um, Erica had recommended that, um, we use grenadine, uh, which is essentially just pomegranate. Um, so we, we used pomegranate, um, we found a pomegranate grenadine that, that didn't have high fructose corn syrup and put it in there. It really blended everything together. So it kind of gave it like a, tied those sour flavors with a little bit of a sweet backbone and brought out the malt a little bit more, but it's a really funky yeast that I love. Um, you could turn out a, I mean, you just drop it into fermentation. Um, it ferments really, really hot. And then after five days, it builds enough, um, Acidity. Yeah. Are you guys canning those or are those uh, in taproom only tank? Taproom only. We've been doing um, some in-state distribution with it since it's just a small um, term. They go really well. Yeah, that's a good point. We've been looking at um, maybe doing like a hand because we have a, a cast um, canner that'll do like 36 cans a minute, um, which is it's not even worth hooking it up to a three-barrel tank. Um, oh, <laughs> so... We, we talked about um, getting like a little hand labeler um, and possibly a smaller canning line too, where we can try to um, highlight some of these. I'm I'm planning on putting um, a Goza in uh, a big batch. We've been really testing. I don't before we hit the state hard or out of state. I, I really like to you know refine everything. We have a nice our tap room is a nice environment to, to do that with. And the, the, the few number of accounts that we send these one-offs give us great feedback on how to tailor it. Um, it's like a little test kitchen. Um, uh, do you find yourself um, competing with um, the macro breweries? Just, we, we touched upon this earlier where it's a very working class state, right? You know, um, how are you penetrating the market outside of like your can art and in, in foot traffic, right? You know, educating those customers. Um, education is a great term. I think, um, 
especially when I worked at the restaurant, it was a lot of people were familiar with these styles. So you, you, and that's why I've adopted the concept of you, you're educating a customer every beer um, or every can. Um, the, if you, some people might explain like a Goza as a salty beer, and that mm-hmm. would turn off 90% of the people who are beer drinkers, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. That's kind of weird. Um, definitely. Like a margarita beer or, <laughs> or something. Yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah. like if you were to ask some like – and if you were to look up what a Goza is on like Wikipedia, I think it's like a salty mm-hmm. forward beer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a Lipsig Goza. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are so right before the pandemic. So the, the way that we can get our brand and mission out is um, teaming up. We have a bunch of local uh, convenience stores that um, loved Devalance. And we were the brewery that didn't like put out anything else, really. Like we stuck to our flagships. And then so like mm-hmm. the second we started putting out other things, um, everybody wanted as much as, as you could get. Um, so when so we've got a bunch of local convenience stores, um, grocery stores, uh, it's so easy to partner with here. And then that allowed us to keep stepping up. And then now uh, we were able to you know, have meetings with like, uh, like Walmart um, or larger um, chains um, because then it started creating all of this data. Um, our distributors do a really good job too. Of creating um, like in-store, in-store displays, and um, like really allowing our brand to pop out to people, um, like like we talked about when they're on the shelf, uh, they kind of scream um, out to somebody's interest. I mean, all of our stuff is West Virginia based, and like if you, not as a slight, but it, I mean, we're the, the West Virginians are very very proud of the state and what we have, um, so. Any West Virginia brewers out there, if you put West Virginia on it, you're probably going to sell it really well. Um, that brand, people are brand loyal, right? And it's, and it helps when they can associate to something that they love or they appreciate. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the story a million times. That person's born and raised in West Virginia and hmm? supporting West Virginia is important. And I think we came to that conclusion more so with the pandemic. You know, if any positive things came from the pandemic, um, it's supporting local and kind of that brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've uh, met so many people that are um, related to the Hatfields, related to the McCoys. Um, and then like, they really, really identify with their family and our brands. Um, I was telling you about Zona's revenge, um, about the, the ghost um, that solved her own murder. I've met so many people from that family and they're appreciative of the fact that we highlighted, um, you know, this like legend. Yeah, that's really important. And you're kind of keeping your history alive through beer and kind of as it should be. I mean, it's a you're telling your version of the story. And that's how lore and folklore kind of works, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. Uh, yeah. So I want to get into what's next for the brewery, but we have to keep the lights on here at the Brewers Podcast. So, Ryan, when you hear this in the future, edit it, make it sound great. Give us some sponsors, baby. We've got some sponsors coming to you. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Brute sent you.
Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. All right, so we're back. Um, what's next for the brewery? Our biggest step after um, the last couple of years is to hit um, like a full. So when the pandemic hit, we wanted to make sure that we supplied West Virginia first. And really, um, there's no point in being a West Virginia brewery without supplying your hometown and state. So we are now looking back at expanding our distribution um, into Maryland and um, for the whole state of Virginia, um, cool. I'd like to see Come to Massachusetts. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I've seen we get a lot of tourism um, in our area because of the Greenbrier and and just our surrounding area. Um, we're on a way to on the way to a major uh, ski resort, and I've seen. I mean, we're getting people from North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. Um, so I would like to see it um, expand a little bit more. We've had some talks with. Um, about um, a distribution plan. Um, I'd like to see, uh, we were recently, we've been slowly, in, we used to have this awesome music series, um, which was called Get Out, Explore, Bring Music and Beer. And it was free shows at the brewery. Um, we would do beer releases. Um, I'd like to see that come back and really focus on West Virginia talent and talent coming through the area. Uh, we've just recently expanded our hours. We were just three days a week. Now we're, which was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now we are Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so that gives us a really, I think that's going to really help um, uh, bring in a little bit more income and also reach out to more people. Cause not every, if you're coming through, like just driving on a Wednesday, I mean, I've been in that situation that like stop off. I see a sign about a brewery. Um, so those are some things that I would like to see. Um, experimenting with new styles, definitely. Um, increasing our our can offering is a big one too. Um, huh. And doing like like we talked about having like a, a Gozana can or um, some other other varieties, more seasonally. Uh, I have to ask you this. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of them, but I will slug them down during the summer. But seltzers? Any plans on seltzers? Uh, we had talked about it. Um, we need a couple, a couple bits of um, equipment. I'm actually, um, I mean, I've drank a couple too. Um, and there's some really, really good ones out there. I don't really have too much interest in it. I know it was a big pop. I'm kind. Con- we talked about it like right when it was like blowing up. We we're like, oh, we got to yeah. make seltzers. There's, there's a huge market for it. I don't know if that market's still there. Um, so I'm yeah, kinda- I think we're gonna find out this summer. I think this is kind of gonna be like the make or break summer for seltzers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like every large um, like brewing company has a seltzer now, um, from what I understand. And like, they flooded all of the sea stores and stuff like that. So yeah, it, we were, when we had like created like another, um, entity, um, we were going to do seltzers. Um, but we haven't pulled the trigger on it. Um, I've heard some horror stories about doing them, um, with no success. You have to, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I think we're getting, we're doing a pretty good job making beer. Um, sometimes you gotta stick to what you know. Um, and not just hop on the bandwagon. Um, not necessarily that, I mean, it is a bandwagon. Um, 
but yeah, I guess we'll see if um, the seltzers, I mean, there's a lot out there that is a quality product. Um, our focus has been beer. I think they're very different. I think seltzer and beer are very, very different entities. I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the things you said, not fall on the bandwagon. Uh, I, this is something that I wish people would do a lot more is you're centrifuging your beer. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It uh, helps us. Um, it gives us a better shelf life, um, stability. Um, yeah, we, we don't, it um, is a, a better product. I feel like, um, now I like, I like a hazy beer. Um, you know, we, so our small batch allows us to not, um, run through the centrifuge, but yeah, if it goes in a can, it's, it's spun. And you're finding great results with that. I mean, I feel like every brewery that I've had with their centrifuge beer, it's not that a huge, it's a bit, it's a big jump, but I mean, it makes a difference when you are producing cans into the wild and you want to make sure that that can, because you, once it leaves the brewery, I know distributors, they do as best of a job as they can to make sure, but ultimately it's those, uh, retail locations that you put in to make sure that it's a, in, in proper cooling or, mm-hmm. um, have you seen it make a huge difference? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I found it interesting because some people that aren't centrifuging their beer, um, they, we got like cold spots, you know, in, um, in cold space. And then we can, I mean, it'll stand up really well in warm space because it's been fused. Um, but it's a really interesting tactic to be like, oh, it has to be kept cold because we don't centrifuge. So it gets you those like prime real estate, like cold, um, spots in, uh, convenience stores. But from a production standpoint, yeah, absolutely. Like I, one of the, something I've, something I've repeated over and over again and like tours and stuff and introducing people, um, at, at the brewery when they arrive, um, is like when it leaves here, we want it to be like, if you drank this, our devil ants here, we want it to be the same in every can. If you were to go down the street, um, upstate, whatever, like, um, and that allows us to have consistent product. Well, that's a huge thing for consistency, you know, for drinkability and returning, right? Uh, anyone can make a beer, right? But you want that person to drink that same beer multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Uh, and is that one of the ways you're doing it? It's centrifuging. What's, what's some of the other things? Are, what's like local ingredients that you're able to get in West Virginia? Uh, we've dabbled with a couple of different things. We had a really awesome um, wheat supplier um, where we were doing um, our 35 parks with. There was a terrible crop this recent year. Um, we've been using, um, there's a lot of farmers here. Um, which might be surprising for how mountainous it is, but there's a lot of really good farmers. Uh, we've used, um, blueberries and raspberries. Um, we've been actually talking about doing a lot more, um, especially with adjuncts and fruit. And we're coming around that time too with a new harvest. Um, all right. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, what's your desert Island beer? Oh, if I had one beer, um, yeah. okay. I, I don't know if I've ever thought about this. Uh, like a brand or a style of beer. Ooh. Um, you, you tell me, I mean, it's your desert Island. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe, um, a 90 barrel bright tank of, um, a nice crispy Pilsner or something. Oh, okay. That work? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> is I there could, uh... electricity on the desert Island? There is. Yeah, there yeah, is. Okay. It's actually an endless stream of okay. yeah, desert Island beer. Um, what's the most important ingredient in beer to you? I say the water, um, it makes up, um, all of, uh, or like 98% or some, um, uh, of what we do. 
Uh, we've done a lot in the state of West Virginia with Water Conservancy um, uh, from our brewery and then also with um, other breweries. Um, I mean, they're, for lack of a better phrase, I mean, they've, they've messed up the water here quite a bit um, over the years, especially with all the mining and stuff. Um, and we have made leaps and bounds as a state at, um, you know, like working and, and rebuilding that. Um, but yeah, water is um, the most important ingredient, I think, probably to life, I would say. Pretty safe to say. Uh, if there's one beer style that you could eviscerate from this world, what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. This is probably give me some like bad marks with some beer nerds. But I really don't like milkshake IPAs. Me neither. Don't worry. Okay. Me neither. <laughs> it sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Milkshake IPAs suck. I'm sure I'm sure I'll have one that's good, but like as a whole. Um we want to know like West Virginia, right? Is th- there's rules and regulations in every state, right? Um what's one of the ones that just frustrates the shit out of you? Okay, just one. Um okay, because we're running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, yeah. So this one's actually pretty near and dear to my heart because we've been working on it um quite a bit recently. Is there a uh, West Virginia Guild or Brewers Association? Yeah, we have um a West Virginia Brewers Guild. Um it, yeah. we it's pretty loose. Um uh, well, we we've definitely worked with the tourism department quite a bit more and um I mean I think we can we can definitely improve as we almost any group can but yeah we do have representation with the guild um and we've been talking recently too about having so they tried to spike up uh our excise tax to something ridiculous um and we have like 300 percent or something and so when we we banded together and fought that um we just put up a big stink and that was really awesome we talked about having a lobbyist because of that um and making our dues go to that um, it's very, it's relatively new. So do it, do it. I've stuff. heard very good success stories with doing that. So, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've talked to a couple of lobbyists, like the, um, a gentleman from Sam Adams, uh, was talking to me. He's like, Hey, these are some of the things you would need to do when fighting this thing. Um, and he gave some awesome info. Um, but, um, so it's not really that it's in code. It's just, or I'm sorry. It's not that it's like, um, against the code or ABCA law. Um, it's really just, it's not in the code. Um, where we can't do collaborations in the state. And I mean, if you've ever been anywhere else, um, yeah, it's a big thing. Like I just got back from Asheville and they're doing collaborations with like, I don't know, like grilled cheese food trucks or something. Um, like anybody can do a collaboration. Yeah, um, we do ton- tons of collaborations and interstate collaborations even. Yeah. So I've, I've, we've brought it up and like when we're distributed out of the state, it's like, so I can go to Maryland do a collaboration with like Antietam Brewing Company right now, and they can brew it, um, and we can distribute and it, sell it on site, yeah, and sell it, and like look how much like they're making tax dollars. I'm not really sure where the issue is. Um, so, yeah, it's it's technically not sanctioned. So through a couple conversations, I mean, I really was like, we're just going to do it. Um, like we're going to do this um, because it's so we. I was able to work with them, so we called them. It, the timing was right because it was being, you called it a partnership earlier and i was gonna yeah. ask you about that joint effort is, joint effort yeah 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 that was a, that was the term yeah so i said like look if because one of the concern was like what if this turns into contract brewing which isn't a bad thing either um is or, contract brewing not allowed no and like a buddy of mine what's or not what's springs but um, berkeley springs brewing company carl 
He's, I mean, he would see so much more success if he could have a brewing company help um, contract his stuff. Um, Wait, it's so like, it's not allowed, just for the record. Contract brewing is not allowed in West Virginia. cannot contract brew in West Virginia. No, it is absolutely. Holy uh, shit. So what if, so, could somebody brew over the, the state and then contract? I don't so, know if they can sell uh, yeah. it in the state. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to speak on it because I don't want to get in trouble, anybody in trouble, but I'm not really right. sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, with the, it's, I'm not really sure what the concern was. They had proposed this in a bill. Um, it has not hit the house. Um, they ran out of time. So, when they were doing that, so they were a little bit lenient. Um, when I had talked with the ABCA and talked to the commissioner, um, I was like, look, I'm going to have a license that, or I'll have a document that says, um, they're not contributing to this beer. We're not splitting the sales, which is one of the concerns. Um, it is solely our brand. They're signing consent that it is our brand, blah, blah, blah. It's our recipe. Um, and they were like, yeah, you can do it. And then I was not getting label approval. And so I had a conversation and I had an event coming up because we'd already brewed the beer. Um, and a nice conversation with the commissioner. And he had mentioned the whole thing is because it's a collaboration. So we settled on joint effort. So we have done six joint efforts since February. Um, and they're going really, really well. Um, it has taught, um, our, uh, small batch lead, um, leaps and bounds. Um, we're teaching each other. We're learning. We're, I mean, it's the whole point of it. Um, I'm learning things. They're learning things. Um, it's nice to share this camaraderie. Uh, a lot of people for whatever reason think West Virginia breweries, um, are stuck up and don't really like work together or whatever um and it displaces that it's like no like we like we call each other all the time it's like hey man like i need a bag of grain or like um how do you move beer (laughs) um you know like with with startup breweries um yeah yeah, and so it's really it's really building uh it shows what the community already is Um, well it must be hard too i mean you said there's 36 breweries in the state I think 31, but yeah, I mean, we have some breweries that are called breweries, but they don't produce. Um, They're like in the process, I guess. I mean, that's just, it's hard to not have that camaraderie, right? And that collaboration. Oh, yeah. Uh, It almost forces you, right? Because it's not like it's just written out and said, like, this is how you do it in our state. Mm -hmm. It's It's not as established as... Yeah, and a lot of the brewers, from my understanding, in West Virginia, I wouldn't say a lot, but quite a few of them, I mean, just started with home brewing, and they were like, hey, I want to go all in on this, um, yeah. and started doing it, and you got to learn from the industry. Uh, so we're, this is kind of the portion of the podcast where we kind of wrap things up. We want our listeners to go to your brewery. So where are you physically located? And then we want our, our listeners to enjoy the area that you're in. So we kind of ask, what's the best dive bar? best place to get a burger and uh in your opinion what's there to do for fun okay in the area that i'm in is that you mean yeah yeah, okay um so the best way the easiest way to know uh, about where we are um i'm not sure if you've seen this but um so uh west virginia yeah so the, the way you're seeing it here um you've got the eastern panhandle so if you were to make you were to flip yourself off with um your yes. left hand um, we right, are, I'm doing it. Okay, there we go. You, and the crook at the end of your thumb, um, at the, uh, the where the digit meets the palm, that's about-ish where our brewery is. Um, we're located off of um, 64 from 81. Um, it's beautiful valleys here. 
Um, we are in Maxwellton, West Virginia. Um, it's a very pastoral scene. Um, there's a cool town um, called Lewisburg. They actually um, won. I, there was a something. It's the coolest little small town or something. Really, really, really rad town. All local shops. Um, if the best dive bar, um, I would say is, we got a bar here called the Tractor Bar, um, cool. which is a nice place. Um, they have um, some pretty good beers. Um, the what was the other uh, parameters you? Oh, best place to get a burger. Oh, best place to get the burger. I would say my personal favorite is um, Blackwell's, um, which is right in town in Lewisburg. Um, I have to keep referencing to Lewisburg because we're an industrial complex, and Lewisburg is like five, ten minutes away from us. Um, So Lewisburg, um, yeah, Blackwell's, uh, they locally source um, their beef from this awesome farm called Swift Level, and it's a really good burger. Um, You can get it with an egg on it if you want. I love it. And uh, is there a food that like West Virginia is known for? Like, yeah, I'd say there's a few. Um, there is the pepperoni roll, um, which which is um, it's an old minor thing, um, and held up really well. So it's just a bread roll um, that they'd bake pepperoni in. Sometimes if you're feeling fancy, I guess you could put cheese, but I don't think they normally have cheese. Um, you do not put sauce because then it's a pizza roll. Um, but it would hold up really well um, when you went underground. Um, let's see. Uh, another West Virginia staple, I'd say probably be, I don't know. Everybody refers to the West Virginia dog as a, the dog with chili and slaw. Is that a thing up there? What's, what do you guys put on your hot dogs in Massachusetts? Uh, I don't know. I've heard like the Boston bean, baked bean one, but I, I don't know if we have a hot dog per se. It's not like we have like a Chicago dog or anything like that, but I've had at a couple places, the Boston baked bean dog, which is just Franken beans, you know? Mm. On a on a roll. Yeah, I'd say those are probably uh, the two staples. And ramps, um, which is a pretty big thing if you live in an area with ramps. Ramps? Like You're, what's uh, a ramps? The wild onion. Um okay. they, they just um they just came out of the ground not too long ago. Um they're pretty pungent. Um yeah, it's a big thing to go digging. Um and here they're they're just kind of everywhere. I went to DC and they were selling ramps like you get like five or ten of them for like five bucks, and you can like pick hundreds of them in like an hour. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so uh, where are you located on social media? We are on right. Facebook. Oh, yeah, we are. On, is that what you mean? Like the platforms? What do you mean? Oh uh, yeah, but what like what's your handle? Oh, it's um, slash GVBC. So Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company. Um, and that's same and at. GCVB on uh, BC G- on uh, GVBC um, on our Instagram. Okay, so this was yep. set up way before I was there. It is not consistent. It's um, Greenbrier Brewing Co. Um, on Instagram. And then we have a Twitter. We've not really seen. Um, we put most of our focus in um, Facebook and Instagram. So there's some really yeah. awesome pictures of our beer. You can go to our website, um, which is www.gv. Uh, BC, so George Victor Bravo Charlie dot beer, and you can see some of the stuff that we've been doing. It has um, a bunch of our labels and stuff on there, so you can see this can art um, that you've appreciated so much, which I appreciate you appreciating it. <laughs> no, it's it's easy to appreciate good can art. Um, so Alexander, thank you for doing this tonight. We want our listeners to go to Greenbrier Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company, uh, so make sure you do. 
stop in there, drink some of the beer, get some ramps. Can you get ramps at, at the brewery or uh, is it BYOF? <laughs> um, well, actually, we've been we've been messing around with a food truck. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could. Um, the the ramps, I don't think they're really really pungent. Um, okay, and they're a rarity. Um, they're a rarity. <laughs> <laughs> well, get one of those West Virginia dogs and go over to Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company and enjoy some of the beer. Uh, I'm excited that you guys have a Kolsch coming out. Um, I advocate strongly for summer of Kolsch every year. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite styles. So. Uh, love what you're doing. I love the branding and, uh, I wish Alex, you and the brewery, all the success in the world. Thanks, man. Thanks no, on today. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. You. Well, uh, we want to thank our listeners for, uh, getting us to over 200 episodes. We recently just released 208 episodes, which is incredible. Um, and I haven't done a solo one in a long time, so I hope to never do a solo one again because I like my co-host bouncing ideas off me because you'll notice that I was just like, uh, 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 a couple times. But uh, we have a couple of episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks. So look out on our Twitter, our Instagram, our TikTok and Facebook for our episode announcements. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And more importantly, drink great beer. Cheers. <laughs>